Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. ITG 104. I'm Scott Callan. That's Jed Drenning. And here in a few minutes, we'll talk to Phil Steele. Talking Big 12, Top 25, and West Virginia, Oklahoma State. But as always, we're going to open things up here with a little sports betting. Uh, we always do this every week. We recap uh, what we made on, or how we did on our picks the week before. And then at the end of the show, we'll make our picks for this upcoming week's game um, against Oklahoma State, where Jed will kind of come up with some interesting handicaps off the top of his head. And they're pretty tough. So we'll see how we do this week. And uh, But first, let's take a look back at how we did last week, Jed. Taking a look back at our handicap picks for the Houston game. We uh, dive, we dove into third downs. Uh, we gave an over under on 43.5% for West Virginia offensively on third down. Would oh, West wow. Virginia convert more or less than 43.5%? You took the under 43.5%. I took the over. Uh, they blew it out of the water. They were. Yeah. 13 of 19, 68%. That's actually their highest conversion rate on third down versus an FBS team since 2012. Wow. So uh, over on that one. And then we were trying to determine, uh, based on Dana's tendencies as a play caller, he's kind of hovered in the same area for a number of years now in terms of how often he throws, how often he runs. So uh, based on that, we had picked the over-under, how often Houston would throw, what percentage of the time they would throw, over-under 58.5%. We both took the over 58.5%. The result, 55%. Oh! We threw it 55 and a Yeah, so we missed that one. Uh, and, okay, we, we then looked at uh, turnover margin. Uh, Houston was number two in the Big 12 coming in. They had won it three times in five games. Uh, we talked about the fact that West Virginia has only won the turnover margin once, going back to uh, the Baylor game last year. So, uh, in looking at that, we just simply asked yes or no, will WVU win the turnover margin? Uh, I think you said no. Yes, and it won nothing, Houston. I said yes. And uh, it was uh, the answer was no. You got that one right. Uh, so it finished at minus one for West Virginia. So now what is it? One time in the last dozen games that That's West tough. Virginia has, has won the turnover, outright won it. They haven't lost it every other time. It's been tied a bunch, but but uh, outright won it just one time since last year's Baylor game when we won it that night in Morgantown. But those were our three for this week. What we'll do is obviously sit down with Phil and then wrap up the show with our picks for this week. Yeah, if you would have told me that West Virginia, before the game, that West Virginia is going to convert 70%, if you throw in that fourth down conversion that they made as well, that's 70% on third and fourth down, I would have said, oh, my gosh, they probably put up 50 and they win comfortably, right? Like, you you never would have thought that that would be the case. but Or throwing for 10 yards per attempt. <sighs> Yeah, that's the average 10 yards per attempt to lose. It doesn't happen often. The last time we did it, I mentioned it with West the other night. You have to go all the way back to the Oklahoma, the Oklahoma loss in 2018 to Kyler Murray, the Will Greer Kyler Murray game. And, and uh, yeah, we averaged over 10 yards per attempt, like 
against Houston. That's usually a pretty good marker indicator of, of winning too, but it wasn't the other night. That was also what the, the most yards passing yards throwing in a game by a Mountaineer quarterback since maybe Will Greer or well, the Jared, we, the Jared we had, had one. We had against Texas Tech. Uh, I'd need to see how the breakdown was, but we had nearly a 500 yard game. Neil's first year versus Texas Tech in Morgantown, but I, I'd need to see how that broke down with, with Austin and with Jarrett, but, but uh, yeah, it was probably the most individually by yeah. since Will. Yeah. Yeah. So at least it's something to build on. Like we said earlier in the week, you know, it's, it's something you can take your, you know, confidence into this week, knowing that you can sling the ball around a little bit more and, and hopefully that'll open some things up, lighten the box for CJ Donaldson and those backs. So uh, anyways, uh, also, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts, and also by our friends at Toothman Ford. We all know cars cost less in Grafton. We're going to go ahead and take a break, and when we get back, we'll have the encyclopedia of college football, Phil Steele, breaking down all the games this weekend. Of course, West Virginia and Oklahoma State to top things off. So hang around. We'll be right here back in just a minute with Phil. Nobody supports the Blue and Gold Mountaineers like Toothman Ford. With over 20 NIL deals and counting, Toothman Ford continues to rally behind our student-athletes. And it's time we rally and support the dealer that supports the Mountaineers. Not only does Toothman Ford offer the best prices in the state on pre-owned, their never-over MSRP campaign on new Fords guarantee to save you thousands. Drive with pride all season long, knowing you're supporting the dealer that fuels our Mountaineers. Toothman Ford, where cars cost less. In Grafton and at ToothmanFord.com. For more West Virginia Mountaineer football content, be sure to follow us on Twitter at In the Gun Podcast. All right, everybody, we are back and on the line with us is Phil Steele. Uh, you can get his magazine at Barnes and Noble and Books a Million. Phil, we are excited to talk to you and put the Houston heave in the past. Uh, that is something we are ready to look forward to is this game against Oklahoma State. We'll get your thoughts on that to wrap things up here later on in the show. But let's go ahead and dive into some top 25 action. This is maybe one of the best games all weekend long. Penn State at Ohio State, number seven, number three. You could argue here, Phil, this is maybe Penn State's toughest challenge, actual challenge since that opener against West Virginia. I know they had Iowa in there, but Iowa's offense didn't show up that day. This seems like the, the clear biggest challenge they've had to date. Uh, I don't know if they can go into the horseshoe and win this game. I actually feel pretty comfortable the Buckeyes win this one comfortably, but I really want to know your opinion on this. Yeah, well, you know what? In the Big Ten, there's there's three big games this year. There's Penn State at Ohio State, Michigan at Penn State, and then, of course, Ohio State at Michigan. And uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. But uh, this is by far Penn State's toughest test. Uh, Ohio State has been tested. They went into Notre Dame. Uh, got that last second uh, win and last second, I mean, on the last second of the game, they scored a touchdown to, to pull out the 17-14 win. And let's hope, and I, I think it will, I believe this game is going to be just like Texas-Oklahoma, just like Oregon-Washington. It's going to be a great game come right down to the wire. And, and that's why I like Penn State plus the points in this one. I also think it's going to be a lower scoring game, and here's the reasons why. You know, in the magazine, uh, when I after I had done my position rankings, I was actually uh, double checking myself because uh, when I did my pen or when I looked at the overall rankings, I'm like, do I really have Penn State 
are ranked as my number three defensive line, number four set of linebackers, and number one DBs. That would make them one of the best defenses in the country, for crying out loud. Guess what? They're holding opponents to 125 yards per game below their season average. They're allowing just 194 yards per game. That's under 200 in this year of offensive football, or this era of offensive football, I should say. And they also have 27 sacks. They sack the quarterback 17% of the time. And that's a matchup I'm really honing in on this game. You've got a Penn State defensive front that gets after the quarterback, doesn't allow any rush yards. And you've got if you're looking at Ohio State's weakness, their weakness this year is the offensive line. They haven't run the ball like they used to run the ball. They only had 1.9 yards per carry against Maryland, got dominated at the line of scrimmage. Only 3.9 yards per carry last week against Purdue. They're allowing some sacks. They're allowing pressure. I think Penn State will get pressure on the quarterback here. On the flip side of the coin, you know, you've got two young quarterbacks in this game. Drew Alar has not thrown an interception all year, and I don't think they're going to put him in harm's way. The punt's not necessarily a bad thing. You've got Allen and Singleton in the backfield. And Penn State's actually last in the country in explosive plays this year, so I don't see them getting a lot of explosive plays. So the first thing I like in this game is the under. It's been a, a series that's had a lot of overs recently, but that's been with experienced quarterbacks and maybe not great defenses. Here you've got two really, really good defenses. I've got Penn State, the best defense in the country. I've got Ohio State right up there at number five, holding opponents to 112 yards per game below the season average. you got two young quarterbacks, so I like the under. And if I like the under, I like Penn State plus the four and a half. I do think Ohio State escapes the horseshoe with the win, but I think we're going to have a hell of a game here, guys. Wow, hard to dispute that. Uh, let's move to the SEC, Phil. And, and in Tuscaloosa, we have a battle of two top 20 teams that that each last week had kind of survive and advance wins. Tennessee held on against Texas A&M 20-13. Bama, of course, 24-21 over Arkansas. Something tells me you're going to want to talk about the Alabama offensive line that's allowed more sacks than any team in the SEC against a Tennessee front seven that's already sacked the quarterback 24 times. Yeah, that's probably my biggest concern in the game would be the uh, the Alabama offensive line against that Tennessee front. Tennessee really harassed Texas A&M uh, last week, uh, did a great job getting after the quarterback. They only had two sacks, but if you watch that game, they were in the backfield all day long. Uh, pressure in the QB, and, and that is a concern here. But I take a look at what they did in their only road game. That was against Florida. Uh, and in the game against Florida, they allowed 4.3 yards per carry, and they only got one sack in that game. So it's a little different when you got the home crowd, the noise, uh, the offensive line has to go on a certain count because you can't, uh, you know, you can't have the false starts with the crowd noise going against you. Crowd noise on their side, I think that's a nice benefit for uh, Alabama. And Alabama last week, Maybe took their foot off the gas a little bit against uh, Arkansas. At one point, Arkansas had three first downs. The score was 24 to six, and then Arkansas made a comeback last week. The one reason I don't think we're going to see a comeback this week would be the fact that Alabama's playing with legitimate revenge. They got beat by Tennessee last year. Uh, Nick Saban is 16 and one straight up, 11 and six when playing with revenge. He's an outstanding home favorite, 15 seven and one against the spread. Tennessee on the road has struggled. They've been a completely different team home and away. At home, uh, the, with that stadium, Neyland Stadium, they are unbeatable. On the road, they're actually 1-5 against the spread as an away dog. So uh, this is a game where the, I think the home field edge is a big factor. You know, Alabama's only been a single-digit favorite at home once since 2020, 
In that game, they beat Georgia, I believe it was, by three touchdowns. I'm going to go with the Tide to win this one by double digits. I like Alabama in this one. I'm right there with you, Phil. Big on the Bama Tide this weekend. Uh, big one in the SACC. It's Duke at Florida State. Jordan Travis is kind of flying under the radar as a Heisman contender here. Everyone's looking at the guys in the Pac-12, of course. But uh, Jordan Travis having one hell of a year. This is a big, big game for both of these teams. Duke, we don't know what the status of Riley Leonard's going to be. But, hey, they won a game last week against NC State by three scores, and they only completed four passes. How interesting and unique is that? <laughs> yeah, that was that was different. Their defense, I tell you what, this Duke defense is legit. Uh, you go back and look at that Clemson game. They they harassed Clemson all game. Notre Dame, they held them to 14 points. I thought they are to uh, 21 points which came one of them on a late touchdown. I thought they did a really good job uh, in that. So the defense has been playing well. Last week against NC State, they had like a 69-yard touchdown pass, a 69-yard touchdown run, and a one-yard drive after a turnover. Other than that, the offense didn't do a lot, only 12 first downs. Talk is Riley Leonard may return, but if he is, I wonder if he's even going to be 100%. Henry Bellin, as you mentioned, only hit four or 12 passes last week, and that's not going to hold up against Florida State. And Duke's two most impressive games have come at home against Clemson and Notre Dame. The Clemson game, they got out first down, gave up 422 yards. The Notre Dame game, they gave up 381. And now they got to take this to the road. It'll be the first time they're playing in front of a hostile environment rather than having a home crowd behind them. And Florida State is rounding into form. Last week, I called for them to have their first four-quarter game of the season. They did. They routed Syracuse. This is a big game. It's at home at night in Tallahassee. I like Florida State. They're only laying 13 and a half in this. I like Florida State to win this one more like by three touchdowns. Out West, Phil, in the Pac-12, you've educated us on the fact that Utah is a different team on the road. You told us about that a couple weeks ago. You kind of called your shot when they lost to Oregon State. Well, now they're on the road against a USC team trying to rebound from that meltdown in the 48-20 to loss at Notre Dame. And it seems like there's some drama surrounding this USC program right now. You have uh, Caleb Williams talking about he demands ownership if he's going to be drafted, part ownership. A lot going on here outside of football. How how do you think this is going to shake out between these two teams in the Pac-12? Yeah, and I I think one of the things you summed up was uh, Utah is a different team on the road than they are at home. They're they're like uh, eight and eight straight up on the road the last sixteen games in Rice Eccles Stadium. They're unbeatable. Uh, you can't go against them at home. Uh, I I really don't think Cam Rising will play. If he does, he won't be a hundred percent. But I think at this point, you just expect Cam Rising not to play in the game. And I like USC for this for a couple of reasons. First of all, I've heard the narrative on TV this week. USC has given up 40-plus points in three straight games. Hmm. I look at that a little bit closer. The Colorado game, they led that thing 34-7. to I think they let up a little bit. The Arizona game, they only gave up 28 points in regulation. Remember, two of the touchdowns came in overtime. And last week against Notre Dame, they may have given up 48 points, but they gave up 13 first downs, 251 yards. They gave up a kick return for a touchdown. They gave up an interception return for a touchdown. They gave up drives of two yards for a touchdown off a turnover. It was just a game where Caleb Williams couldn't handle the road crowd. Now, last year, USC went into Rice-Eccles and almost beat Utah. They had them beat. Utah scored a touchdown the last play. Then in the championship game, Caleb Williams got injured early and was hobbling around, and they were able to tee off on him. They are playing with legitimate revenge. They are at home. 
against a Utah team that's average on the road, and everybody's picking on this USC defense. I'm telling you, the defense is better than giving up 40 points the last three weeks. I like USC to win this one by over the touchdown. I like the Trojans here, and I believe USC is still in the mix in the Pac-12, along with Washington and Oregon, to be the champ this year. Bill, we called that one last night, last week. You meet you and I t- uh, tag team that game, picking Notre Dame. So just thought we'd throw that out there. But uh, moving <laughs> moving to the Big Twelve, great, great minds think alike, huh? That's right. That's right. <laughs> moving to the moving to the Big Twelve, we got UCF at Oklahoma. It's the Dylan Gabriel Bowl here. Is uh, Gabriel faces his old team in UCF, and for the Knights, it's been tough sledding here in the Big Twelve. In their three games, they've allowed over forty three points per game. Seems like a big bit of a red flag when you go into Norman, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And uh, I definitely like the Sooners minus the points in this one. You know, Dylan Gabriel doesn't have an axe to grind with UCF. He, he left on good terms. But uh, that you hit it right on the head with this UCF defense. Now, I talked about USC's giving up 40-plus points. Uh, I really can't explain UCF. I mean, you go back to the Kansas game. They're taking on the backup quarterback, Jacob Bean, and they still got run over. Uh, in that game, 51 points, 490 yards, 399 yards on the ground. They gave up uh, 281 yards to Kansas on the ground. In fact, in Big 12 play, they're giving up 278 yards on the ground, 6.2 yards per carry. And if you can get Oklahoma's run game going with Tawee Walker and Marcus Major, uh, that's really going to open it up for Dylan Gabriel. I see Oklahoma scoring almost every time they have the ball. They're only they're laying under three touchdowns here. And, yes, John Rice Plumlee could very well return for UCF. But Oklahoma's defense impressed me against Texas. They were better than I expected. Uh, and on the season, they're holding opponents to 59 yards per game below the season average. I think Oklahoma is one of the best teams in the country and takes care of business here. I like the Sooners by over three touchdowns. In the Queen City, something has to give two, uh, two and four teams squaring off and Baylor at the Bearcats. Baylor trying to bounce back from a blowout loss at home to Texas Tech. Cincinnati's dropped four straight. What do you see playing out here? Yeah, and Baylor disappointed me in their last game against Texas Tech. I thought they would pull the upset, but, you know, watching the game, uh, Dave Aranda, remember two years ago, they, they, I think, led the nation in going forward on fourth down, and and they were successful on fourth down, and all of a sudden they were playing in a, a New Year's Day bowl game. Uh, that Texas Tech game, that was the key. I think they got stopped on downs like five times, set up Texas Tech for some cheap touchdowns. They only got outgained 366 to 341 in the game. So if they can convert on some of those fourth downs, I think they can make it a different game. And last week, I liked Iowa State over Cincinnati, and Iowa State just flat out dominated that game. Uh, since he, I think, scored a touchdown on the first drive, and after that, they couldn't move. They only had 214 yards in the game. Uh, Emory Jones is an explosive quarterback, but he can also throw the ends. I mean, he's got 11 touchdowns, eight interceptions this year. Dave Aranda's had a week off to stew on that loss. I think it's a good situation for Baylor this week to go on the road and pull the upset. I like Baylor plus the points over uh, Cincinnati this week. Texas at Houston, obviously Texas off last week. Houston, we all know what happened there, but we often have been talking about West Virginia and how they bounced back after that game. But you could also ask the same question about Houston. How do they mentally kind of hit that reset button and not get too fat and sassy about that win over West Virginia? Um, I feel like this has got Texas written all over it. It seems like their deep, uh, Houston's defense is going to have a long day. But who knows? Crazier things have happened. Uh, 
tell me that this game can be interesting. Yeah, I think uh, in Houston's case, I believe that the Hail Mary pass is, is a positive for them and the fact that, uh, you know, they probably had the game lost in their mind if, with 12 seconds to go and then won the game. So now they're like, hey, we're three and three. Anything can happen. Let's go out there and play. But I've also seen Houston go against Texas Tech. Uh, they moved the ball in that Texas Tech game. They actually had 489 yards on the road, which impressed me, but they still lost by 21. TCU, they lost to uh, by 22 in that game. And Texas has had a week off, off a loss. Uh, they have a lot of recruiting that they do in Houston, so I think they will bring their A game. I also think they'll bring a lot of fans of this. I think uh, Texas will have a good amount of the crowd. They're laying 23-and-a-half. I do like Texas to win this game rather comfortably. 23-and-a-half might be a little rich here. I'd, I'd, I'd probably uh, – I just like Texas to win the game. I don't know if I'd lay the 23-and-a-half, though. Texas Tech – at BYU, Joey McGuire's crew trying to still salvage that season. Looked like they were heading the right direction until last week's loss. Meanwhile, BYU returns home after getting just boat raced 44 to 11 by TCU. What do you see happening in Provo? Yeah, last week, uh, I liked Kansas State to pull the upset, and uh, they did. Uh, thanks. Uh, you know, Baron Morton went out. Jake Strong came in. He led a 99 yard drive for a touchdown. And then I believe his last three drives were all interceptions, and that really fueled Kansas State. Plus, they couldn't stop the quarterback run. Now, they don't have to worry about the quarterback run here this week. Last week, I liked TCU over BYU, and TCU, as you mentioned, just crushed BYU. But Provo, Utah is a completely different atmosphere for BYU. Uh, they, they haven't played great. They haven't run the football well this year. But the amazing thing is they, they beat Arkansas on the, at, at, on the road. They beat Cincinnati at home. And I remember last year, Dave Aranda, Baylor went into BYU, uh, the opening game of the season, and Baylor lost that game. Remember, they're coming off a New Year's Day bowl game. And he said, that crowd, it, uh, it threw our players a little bit. And we've talked in the past how I feel about Texas Tech when they go on the road. They went on the road and lost to Wyoming. They went on the road and lost against West Virginia. They are a below-average team on the road. BYU is a very tough team at home. I'm actually going to call for the Cougars to spring the upset. As much as I had TCU last week, I like the Cougars this week to spring the upset over Texas Tech. TCU, Kansas State, and you you talked about it last week, Bill, about how high Sonny Dykes was on this Josh Hoover kid at quarterback, and boy, did he have a day, 439 yards, four touchdowns. Both these teams need a win in, in a bad way. They can't afford to, to, to take another L here and fall behind the eight ball in the Big 12 standings. So how do you see this one going? This is one of those, uh, I'm going to call it a popcorn game, meaning I'm just going to sit back and watch this thing and enjoy it because uh, this is really a, a top-notch game. As you mentioned last week, uh, Sonny Dykes was, was high on Coach Ho or on uh, Josh Hoover when I talked to him. He had a great week last week. They're playing good football and, uh, and really crushed BYU. But this Kansas State team, you know, Will Howard was supposed to be the guy, but in the second half, they just went with Avery Johnson, the true freshman, my PS number nine. And, and for listeners that don't read my magazine, PS is where they rank coming out of high school. So uh, PS number for Johnson means he was a ninth-rated quarterback coming out of high school. He ran all over Texas Tech last week, and, and they really dominated the second half in that 38-21 win. They're tough to beat at home. TCU's a really good team. I think this is a great game. I think it's a battle for third place in the Big 12 this year, and uh, I'm going to get the popcorn out and watch that one. And here we go to Morgantown, Phil, the Oklahoma State Cowboys. What an interesting narrative behind this game. You, a couple weeks ago, you told us going in 
that you liked their chances when everybody else was writing them off coming out of a bye week against Kansas State. You called your shot and you hit it. This almost has a vibe. You remember seven years ago in 2016 when a marginal MAC team, Central Michigan, got that untimed down that should have never taken place, and they beat them yes. and still won on a hill. And and they beat them on a hill, Mary. Oklahoma State bounced back with Gundy and won 10 games that year. It has that kind of vibe with consecutive wins over ranked teams after losing to South Alabama, playing well on the road at Iowa State but falling short. West Virginia hasn't beat Oklahoma State in Morgantown since 2013. We snapped the streak at large last year in Stillwater by running the football effectively. What do you see happening here with the Cowboys and the Mountaineers? Yeah, and for the record, I think for this season, the rest of the season for uh, Oklahoma State, I mean, you look at the schedule, they get Cincinnati at home, UCF, Houston, and BYU. Schedule sets up for them to to finish this year with, potentially with uh, nine wins uh, as the season goes, eight or nine wins, I should say. Uh, and I do think that Sticking with one quarterback, like he's done with Alan Bowman, was the right choice. He he got his uh, stuff worked out in the in the preseason prior to the Big 12 play, and it's all been Alan Bowman since. Ollie Gordon, what a game he had last week against Kansas. That was phenomenal. And, but it's a West Virginia team that, that runs the football well. They've got Garrett Green back at QB. Uh, and, uh, you know, when I talked to Coach Brown, he was highly uh, confident in the run game, and that's proven to be true to form. The defense, I like how West Virginia is playing defense. They're uh, holding opponents to 40 yards per game below their season average this year. They are fresh off a bye, or, well, they've had a couple extra days, I should say, to get over that loss, and they're at home for this one. So I think it's going to be a great game. Come right down to the wire, probably decided by a field goal. So I think it'll be a tight game. Uh, And I believe West Virginia right now is about a a three-and-a-half-point favorite, so I'd actually be leaning with Oklahoma State plus the points. But I do think when the dust settles and the game's over, West Virginia comes out with, let's say, a three-point win in this one. But it should be a great game. And uh, we could see both of these teams perhaps at the end of the year with eight or nine wins. And who would have thought that a couple weeks ago? Yeah, absolutely. And if if it does come down to an Oklahoma State field goal, maybe you like your chances if you're West Virginia. You've blocked a couple kicks already this season. So, um, Phil, before we get you out of here, I do want to ask you, since we're kind of at the midway point, a little bit past it, is West Virginia a Big 12 contender or pretender? I, I wouldn't put them up there with Oklahoma and Texas right now. So I, I don't. I wouldn't put them in the contender category. But in the same token, I wouldn't put a lot of teams in the uh, Big 12 in the contender category other than Oklahoma and Texas. I think those two are uh, legitimate powers right now. But – if you're talking about being one of the top teams in the Big 12, I think they can be up there and be a contender. And you look at the rest of the schedule. If they get past Oklahoma State, much like Oklahoma or much like Oklahoma State, they've got UCF, they got BYU, they got Cincinnati and Baylor. I see a lot of wins down the stretch for West Virginia. And that'll do it for Phil Steele this week. Phil, we appreciate you joining us here once again. Uh, if you want to plug anything real quick, uh, the stage is yours. Hey, I appreciate that. Yeah, the uh, Phil Steele Plus Tour with selections is on a roll, 7-2 and two the last two weeks, and it's absolutely free. And it's up right now. So just go to philsteele.com. Uh, it's right there on, on the front menu. You can click on it. Go to YouTube. I've got the own YouTube channel. Follow it. Lock it in. I give you a lot of free selections, and I give you the reasoning. We show you all the stuff on Phil Steele Plus. So check that out this week uh, at Phil Steele Plus. There he is, the man, the myth, the encyclopedia of college football, Phil Steele. Phil, thanks for chatting with us. We'll see you next week. 
Thanks, Phil. Yeah, a lot of fun as always, guys. Let's go Mountaineers this weekend, huh? Appreciate it. Yes, sir. So we'll be right back around the corner here uh, as Jed and I will make our handicaps for this week's game between West Virginia and Oklahoma State. For nearly 20 years, Fortis has been the nation's leader in providing guaranteed roof performance programs for commercial buildings. Fortis offers roof performance solutions that feature extensive initial and ongoing reconditioning for commercial buildings as an alternative to traditional replacement with long-term performance guarantees that are backed by global leader Lloyd's of London. Fortis offers a comprehensive range of roof performance management programs that provide financial security, extend the life of our customers' roofs, and make a significant impact on ROI. Fortis is currently improving performance and increasing ROI for customers at more than 4,800 locations, with more than 140 million square feet protected, including many Fortune 500 companies that have turned to Fortis to save money, gain financial certainty, and extend the life of their existing roofs. Fortis has helped customers save more than $520 million in capital roof replacement costs for an average ROI of over 250%. To learn more, visit fortis.us.com. Fortis, roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. For more West Virginia Mountaineer football content, be sure to follow us on Twitter at In the Gun Podcast. All right, Jed. So let's go ahead and get into our ITG handicaps for the week. West Virginia, Oklahoma State. Uh, I think I went one and two earlier, and that's how the uh, my picks went. Not sure how you did, but uh, I can't even remember. It's been so long ago. In, in actual time, it was like probably an hour and a half ago that we did this. So. What do you yeah. got on deck for this week? All right, Oklahoma State, West Virginia. Uh, one of the things I wanted to look at was rushing. In uh, these losses, we talk about the fact West Virginia hasn't beaten Oklahoma State in Morgantown since the Bumblebee game with Clint Trickett in 2013. Well, a lot of things have contributed to our losses in Morgantown. Struggles on third down offensively, I thought about that. I mean, we've struggled mightily a couple times on third down against these guys. But we've also, in these some of these recent losses, really struggled to run the football. When you look at the loss in 2017, we had 62 yards rushing. 2019, 26 yards rushing. 2021, 17 yards rushing against that really good defense. So, last year in Stillwater, I'm trying to peg this, we obviously exploded on the ground. Garrett made some things happen before the injury. Jalen had a massive thing. We ran for 255. So here's what I'm looking at. West Virginia is averaging 185.5 yards per game rushing this year. I say we run with that number. Over or under 185 rushing versus Oklahoma State. 185.5. I remember that at 21 game, it was ridiculously bad. Um, I'm going to lean to the under here. Um, I know West Virginia likes to run the ball, but I think also, too, with the way Garrett Green showed that they can sling the ball around a little bit now, I think that's going to give Neil more confidence in taking some more shots, maybe putting a little bit more on Garrett in the passing game. They don't want to stray away from who their identity actually is, which is running the football, but I think – you mix that in with how well Oklahoma State has defended the run against West Virginia years past. I, I've got to lean under, but it's it's probably going to be pushing right up against it. I'm going to go over. Um, last year, Garrett was a critical part of the first half of that game with his legs. Um, 
So knock on wood, if he can stay upright for the balance of 60 minutes, I see him playing a critical role in the run game Saturday. Uh, I know we want to bounce back effort on the ground based on what was we, – we really struggled to to find any kind of rhythm on the ground against Houston. So I think we want to reassert ourselves. Uh, hopefully we get Wyatt back. That's going to help as well. Uh, we, we want to find our rhythm and, and recapture some of that mojo on the ground. So I'm going to go over 185.5. So that's number one. Number two, uh, West Virginia leads – now this is a multi-part question. You have choices you can make here. Pick one. West Virginia leads the Big 12 with 45 rush attempts per game. Oklahoma State is tied for the Big 12 lead with 40 pass attempts per game. So which of these do you choose? You have four choices. Will WVU run for 45-plus times? Will Oklahoma State throw 40-plus times? Both or neither? Mm, ooh, ooh. I'm going to say I don't think West Virginia quite gets to 45. I'm going to say they hang around 40, 42-ish because, again, like the, I think they'll, they'll take some more shots in the air. Oklahoma State, I can see them getting over. So I, I'm going to lean just to Oklahoma State over 40 pass attempts. All right. I was going to take that. Uh, I'll make an argument neither. I'll make an argument for neither, okay? Uh, let's say that uh, we do run the ball enough to take the air out of the game, and maybe they try and do so as well on the road. Uh, so uh, it's going to be a tight game. Maybe neither of those things happen. I'll roll with neither. All right, now, uh, when you, and for the final one, when you look at the results in Big 12 play of the games that these two teams have, have played, West Virginia has played three Big 12 games. All have been decided by a total of a collective total of 13 points, an average of four points per game. 13 points has decided our three Big 12 games. All three of Oklahoma State's Big 12 games have been one possession games as well. In other words, eight points or less. The line on this game, I think Phil said it's three and a half, depending on where you look. We'll go with three and a half. We're going to put a spin on the line. Is the game going to be decided? I don't care who wins in this case. We're, we're just asking the question, okay? I want West Virginia win by three touchdowns. But for this question, I'm not saying you need to pick a winner. Is the game going to be decided by more than three and a half or less than three and a half, no matter what the, you know, prevailing team is or who the prevailing team is? Well, I mean, we did just get the advice from Phil Steele, right? That it that it could come down to a last second field goal. So I gotta I gotta lean with that guy, right? So I'm gonna go with by three or less than three and a half. I think it is gonna be a, a down to the wire type of game. And look, if if it kind of plays out like some of these other Big Twelve games have for West Virginia, it's kind of how they want to play, right? They want to play ugly. They want to play tight, contested games. They don't want to get into these high-scoring affairs like they did last week against Houston. That's just not their style. I mean, obviously, we can see now that they they can win games like that because um, they can score the ball. But I, I think this is going to be a very, very tight game. you got two 4-2 and two teams, 2-1 two in the Big 12. Both of these teams can stay alive in the Big 12 picture with a win. I don't think this is going to go heavily one-sided either way. So, yeah, it's going to be a tight one. I think it's going to be a tight one, too. Um 
again, that's the style of play that Oklahoma State has been bringing into these Big 12 matchups. That's the style of play that West Virginia has been bringing in. It's it's a it, in, in some ways it's a pretty even matchup. Uh, it's intriguing in other ways. Uh, but I think special teams is going to play a role as well. Uh, but I, I could see this. I don't know if it's going to be a last second field goal, but I, I definitely think it's a one score game. Then it just becomes a question of is it a field goal game or a, a touchdown game, right? Yeah. And and I could see it being tight enough that even closer than last year in Stillwater, that 24 to 19 game, which with, if you remember, it came down to a series of deep throws that we had to make plays on when they had the ball to close the game out. Malachi made a couple plays on that last sequence. Uh, it might even be a little bit closer than that. So uh, I'm going to go with the uh, the closer than three and a half points. I agree with you under that. So those are our three for the week. And also, too, West Virginia in the last two games, or I should say the only two games Neil has coached against Oklahoma State at home, three points and 13 points. And I have a feeling they're probably going to need to score more than 13 points in this one. So uh, it's going to be an interesting game. Big one for West Virginia. They've got a chance to get back on the right track here this week and flush that Houston game, get to 3-1 in conference play. And if you do so, you're feeling pretty good about yourself uh, well past the midway point of the season. So uh, one final thank you here to Fortis for Roof Performance and Financial Certainty Guaranteed. Be sure to visit fortis.us.com. And always be an ear and tell an ear about your favorite new WB football podcast. And uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button. You go to YouTube. Yeah, go go to YouTube. Hit hit subscribe in the Gun Podcast. Make sure you catch the uh, the preview. We also have our weekly picks up there as well. You can participate on that on our Twitter page at In the Gun. So uh, that'll do it for us here today, and we'll be back here next week to kick things off with UCF and Big Dad. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.